the months and weeks leading up to free agency always has speculation. But for the Ravens, there is one name that seems to be getting the most speculation right now, and that is Titans running back Derrick Henry. We talk about if Henry could come to Baltimore and so much more coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Ravens. We are your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host here with you, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. And we're coming to you from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thanks so much for being here on this Thursday, making Locked On Ravens your first listen. We're free and available, all podcasting platforms. That includes an audio form and video form. So on YouTube, if you want to hit that like button, the subscribe button really helps out a ton. Audio form, you want to follow along there and subscribe. It also helps out a ton. Same show, audio and video, where five days a week of Ravens content, even in the offseason. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets. Lending you five, any winning $5 bet, it's $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. We have former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver and a Super Bowl champion, Kadri Ismail, back with us in the house. Talking Ravens and talking about what the Ravens can do to hopefully get their coaching staff and roster back to the promised land, which is the Super Bowl. Here, the Ravens fell short. We all know that. Now, the next step for Baltimore is figuring out who stays, who goes, who comes in, who's different. A lot of storylines, even though we're a couple weeks away from the official start of free agency. Yeah, this is the the, the silly season, as I call it. Um, I really like it, though, because – well, partly because of you, because of the fact that we have forged this off season of guessing and figuring out and projecting ahead and trying to be crystal ball. Like I was like, at first I was fighting. But I was like, you know what? My boy KO, he's into it. He sees it. He likes to like figure it all out. I'm jumping aboard. So with that said, yes, free agency, it is here. Uh, this is where, yeah, you build your team. And every year is a different team. Every year is a different mindset. My God, last year we went through it as far as Lamar Jackson. I think every episode that we had <laughs> leading up to the draft was Lamar-centric. And you know, I think even the one time when we tried to do an episode that wasn't Lamar-centric, it turned out to be Lamar-centric because – Salary cap wise, you had to figure out who, what, where was going to get a piece of the different pie that EDC had to cut up and it got back to Lamar again. So this reagent period started off with kind of a sort of a bang in that, you know, obviously Nelson Aguilar got resigned. So that was a good thing. But uh, otherwise, by and large, man, it's just it, it's now here comes all the, the, the guessing and, and all the agents throwing out some information to get teams to kind of, hey, oh, my God, you know, uh, so so-and-so is going to pick up so-and-so, so we better go ahead and throw out this money to him. And, yeah, the fun. The fun begins. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're aboard for it. And I know, again, we we don't, you and I, we don't touch off-season talk during the regular season. So now, <laughs> now that we're in the off-season, now you're able to fully jump aboard with me here. Yeah. So I, I'm glad about that. 
But even during the trade deadline queue, we had kind of talked because that was potentially a midseason acquisition. Could the Ravens make a move? Could they not? And the big name that everybody was talking about was Derrick Henry. There seemed to be a lot of smoke in terms of Henry potentially being traded to the Ravens. Now, of course, we know that that didn't end up happening. But Derrick Henry's a free agent now. And it seems pretty likely at this point that Derrick Henry's not going to return to the Titans. Feels like he wants an opportunity to go win a Super Bowl. And he's getting up there in age as well. So in terms of, you know, we, we've talked about it, Q, in terms of, I, I hate using the word shelf life because I, I don't think it's the right word to use. But in terms of running backs, Derrick Henry is 30 years old now. And what this position has been in terms of it being devalued, that is quote unquote seen as old almost for that position, even though Derrick Henry still is one of the better running backs in the NFL. Now, the Ravens are in an interesting situation because we know Q, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Dalvin Cook, they're all free agents. Keaton Mitchell got injured. He tore his ACL in the later part of the season in December, so it's unclear what his timeline is going to be coming back from that injury. So you have Derrick Derek Henry out there. And then you have, yeah, it's actually a pretty deep running back class this offseason. It's Henry, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems like for where Derrick Henry's at in his career and what Barkley or Jacobs could be demanding on the open market with this being their second contract, Henry seems to be the guy where if the Ravens wanted to swing for the fences at that position, you bring him in. Now, Baltimore right now only has Q right around anywhere from 3 to $7 million in cap space. They're obviously going to free up some of that with some other roster moves, potentially like cuts, restructures, whatever it may be. But do you see value in the Ravens maybe investing $8 million per season or $7 million per season, even $10 million per season in an older running back? Or would you rather see that money spent elsewhere? Yeah, this is a real tough one <clears throat> for a couple of different reasons. Just from a pure football standpoint, the Ravens, towards the end of the year, obviously they're the number one rush team. But we saw an AFC championship game that they had like success, but they just never really stuck to that success when it came to running the football. And obviously the elephant room was the 15-yard carry that Gus Edwards had, and then that was it. But if you got a guy like a Derrick Henry and you put so much attention, what we call in the box, but you also got a guy like just the dynamic capabilities of Lamar Jackson, now you put that in the box. Number one, you still give it to Derrick Henry and he's going to go ahead and get some, some yards up the field. But then number two, you also got to take the chance of you, Lamar Jackson is going to out leverage you. And now he's down the sideline for a big play. I think that is the allure of having a Derrick Henry. But you got to also pause on that too because you got to get through the season. You got to get through a, a, a space where, yeah, teams are going to be trying to take their shots and their hits on him because they know he has a lot of tread uh, on his tires. So that's something that I would um, be a little bit cautious with. But it is a necessary evil in that, yeah, they run the football. They are a run football team that have explosive capabilities under Todd Munkin to get it out to the playmakers on the outside. So no question about it. The other thing is, is that, yeah, when it comes to salary cap, when it comes to money, I mean, one of the biggest things that we got to recognize is the fact that the running back position has been devalued, but then there's a, a gluttony of running backs that a la Pete Mitchell that you can get that really count almost nothing against the cap 
and they can be productive right away. So those are some of the, the gambles you got to play with when it comes to whether or not you feel, you know, Derrick Henry, is, is, is he going to, you know, take a team-friendly deal and, you know, have it be a, a scenario where he recognizes he's in the twilight of his career and this gives him a, the best chance to, uh, to make the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs and potentially win a Super Bowl. You know, those are questions he and his agent are going to have to answer. But I think at the same time, yeah, if two can tangle and they're in negotiation talks, I'm, I'm all for Derek Henry. I don't, I don't see that that'd be a problem. No, I, I don't either. And one of the crazy, you talk about some of the, the tread that Derek Henry has on his tire skews. Some, some of these carry numbers, I'm looking at it right now. It, it is unreal. Let, let, me, let me do this math quickly. In four of the last five seasons, Derrick Henry, his lowest carry total was this year at 280 in four of the last five years. His career high was in 2020 when he had 378 carries that year. In this stretch I'm talking about, he also had 349 carries and 303 carries. So I don't think if he's coming to Baltimore, he's going to be expected to be a 300 carry guy because the Ravens and mostly in the NFL, honestly, are moving more towards the look. You can have a 1A running back, right? Derrick Henry would be your best running back. But I think you also have to have other guys around him, like you talked about with a Keaton Mitchell whenever he comes back. Obviously, Justice Hill had a really strong year last season. You want to rely on those guys and not just keep putting the ball in Derrick Henry's hands every single time. But as it does stand now, Q, with all that tread on his tires, he came in the league in 2016. He has 2,030 career carries in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons as an NFL running back. So, would you be concerned with that? That you know, with the games, way that he's been. How used? many games did he uh, miss each year, or did he play complete seasons? How many complete seasons did he have? He had. I'm trying to remember. So they made the. They made it 17 games in 2021, right? It's, it's been three years since that happened, I, I, yeah. I assume. He played all 17 games last year. He missed one game in 2022. He missed – how many games is this? He missed about eight games in 2021, played in all 16 games in 2020, missed one game in, or in 2019, excuse me, played in all 16 in 2018, all 16 in 2017, and missed one game in 2016. So – I think he's missed right around 10 to 15 games in his entire career. Does, does that change anything for you? That's pretty remarkable because of the fact that he, you know, is a big running back and has a lot of space where you can uh, kind of, you know, tag at him and, and get at him. But uh, it shows that he has some level of elusiveness and he's not really taking shots that are like knockout shots. He's delivering a lot of punishment. So yeah, the tread, is there, but the durability has certainly shown itself. Now, again, it's the running back position, and heck, Keaton Mitchell, he didn't even last an entire year. You know, he came into camp, had some injuries. Boom, he gets healthy, and what happens? Gets injured again. So it, it, it definitely, you know, you got a fast, you know, dynamic runner compared to a power back. One guy is just only missing a game a year, whereas another guy is out for the year and he hasn't even gotten started in his career. You know, I think a lot of it, there's a lot that goes on uh, when it comes to, you know, just how you take care of your body, 
How do you manage your load uh, during a week? I'm sure that's going to be of a strong concern and interest for Derrick Henry if, in fact, they do have those conversations with the Ravens because I think one of the things the Ravens do a good job of is that wellness. Uh, they're, they, they are concerned about it. They, are, they put it as uh, – they put it as their priority, unlike other teams where you have to go outside the building. The Ravens have it all inside the building. I don't know if you've seen his workout videos, Q, but they are of a, a different animal. I mean, he's he's doing all this crazy stuff and, you know, hop, hopping on weights with other weights and, and doing all that stuff. So he, he's a workout freak. But this is a guy that, I mean, you, you look at just his his stature he's 6'3 247 that's what that's what he's listed at right now him and Lamar Jackson in the same backfield would be I think an almost unstoppable duo if both of those guys are healthy and Henry I think there's a misconception about people who don't necessarily watch them play all the time you mentioned the elusiveness that he has Q and I agree with you there because he is not just a north-south runner despite his frame he has ability to go east and west juke guys out also an underrated receiver out of the backfield too. He's taken plenty of screens. You know, we know that 99 yard touchdown he had a couple of years ago against Jacksonville, just making guys miss. So he's a, a multi-talented, a, multi, a guy who has multi different levels of skill sets. So I think he'd add a lot to the Ravens and coming up, we're talking a bit more about Derrick Henry and also getting into just how good the Ravens free agent class is in general. Stay tuned. Plenty to talk about on Lockdown Ravens. First, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp, and this next segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes y'all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small, certain things to really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today, I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week, and with free agency coming up for the Ravens, I think that this team absolutely cannot let Just Matabike leave the building. It'd be an absolute disaster if they did. 13 sacks this past season in a contractor. He's going to earn a lot of money. That, that's for sure. But with the talent that he is and with how hard interior pass rush is defined, the Ravens cannot, cannot, cannot let him out of the building. And therapy can be different for everybody. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team. And it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. We're back here on our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Kadri Ismail. And Q, again, I think a lot of the conversation about Derrick Henry right now, it's about, one, the position of running back and just how valuable it is versus another position that I think has maybe increased in value, like a, a quarterback, let's say, or a wide receiver. Do you want to spend the money on a running back or do you want to draft a guy in the middle rounds? I think there's that graphic, I don't know if you've seen it, of the last 10 or 12 or 15 Super Bowl champions and the running backs that have been on those teams, the starting running backs, the past two have been Isaiah Pacheco with the Chiefs, who was a seventh-round pick and I think cost the Chiefs $720,000 and $700,000 these past two seasons. So do you want to invest that money? And actually, I, I played this game yesterday on the show queue by myself. I'm going to play it a little bit with you two here today. But Smotrack has estimated contract values for players and teams. So I, I did it with the Ravens. And their guys like, you know, just met a BK Patrick queen and, and all that as well. But in terms of the Titans and Derrick Henry is I'm, I'm pulling up Henry's chart right now. I think Henry's valued right around like 
eight or $10 million per season, uh, maybe a two year, $20 million deal with 13 guaranteed is what I saw on social media. Would you feel comfortable giving Derrick Henry that contract with the player that he is knowing that you might not be able to re-sign a guy in another position or bring in another depth piece in another position with that sign? Yeah, that, that, you know, is concerning. Um, obviously from an offensive line standpoint, <laughs> pardon me, Obviously, with an offensive line standpoint, you're looking at where is the value? Is the value with guys on the team that were young, developing players? Who are the guys that are going to be coming out of the draft to kind of help solidify that? Because that, to me, is is really the biggest elephant in the room is the offensive line. And if I have a plan, a game plan going forward, sure, then I can kind of consider all right, you know, Derrick Henry, there's some good money that we could spend right here because the ones that we're allocating towards uh, Derrick Henry, we have pretty much, you know, a, a smaller piece of the pie for some good quality guys like the Pachecos for the Kansas City Chiefs. You'll have that on your offensive line. So that's kind of how I would, I would look at it. Even in the fact that you look at last year, you know, you look at Odell Beckham, Junior, who, you know, he had a fat contract, um, and 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 he, I think, you know, leveraged it well, uh, deservedly so. Um, is Eric DeCosta going to be like, all right, you know, I I I think, you know, the team would have loved to have had it where he would have had seventy to eighty catches with those, you know, that type of uh, guaranteed money. Or you would also be looking at um, at least over, uh, you know, nine to 10 touchdowns. So I think production wise, are they looking back on what OBJ did or didn't do and say, you know, are we going to, you know, pay a lot again for a upper tier veteran, but is he going to fall off the cliff? Are we paying for his past performances or, current and future expectations. Right. And and that's a good way to put it because again, guys can't stay in their prime forever. Nobody, no player can do it regardless of how good they are, how good they All were. The in their prime. Undefeated. That's right. That is hundred percent correct. So when you're talking about the running back, I think it's okay if the Ravens bring in Derrick Henry. Now, I don't, I think that you have to be smart with the money though. If Henry thinks Baltimore is the best fit for him, I think they can maybe work out a deal that might be a bit more team friendly than what Saquon Barkley would get or Josh Jacobs would get. But I think those guys would be a bit too pricey for what the Ravens can actually afford to spend at running back right now with their free agent class, which we're going to get to that in a second here. But I think if you sign Derrick Henry, that has to be it at running back. You can't bring back Gus Edwards. You can't bring back J.K. Dobbins. You can't bring back Dalvin Cook. I think you draft the guy in the middle rounds, and that's your room. It's Derrick Henry, Justice Hill, the guy you draft in the middle rounds, and then when Keaton Mitchell comes back, he essentially slides in for that guy, and you have a three-headed running back rotation there, yeah. and that's what it is, where you can maybe backload the deal. If Derrick Henry gets a two-year contract, you can backload that deal to where there's an out after this upcoming season and the cap hit is lower in the first year, so maybe they can do that as well. But we're talking about this here because the Ravens do not have a lot of salary cap space to work with currently, and they have quite a talented free agent class that is set to test the market. Now, CBS Sports put out an article. It was a list of, of the top 100 free agents. And the Ravens on that list had six of the top 60 guys 
Justin Matabike was four. Patrick Queen, 26. Shadavian Clowney, 32. Kevin Zeitler, 38. Geno Stone, 48. And Odo Beckham Jr. was 60. I think this queue is one of the most talented free agent classes the Ravens have ever had, if not the most talented free agent class they've had. I mean, how rare is it to have all these guys have breakout years, their final year of their rookie contract, veterans who some people thought were never going to be able to play to any sort of high level again, they all ball out. And now they all come together as one giant, really good for agent class. Yeah, I, I think that was what made last year so so cool and so unique um, was that it's one thing to sign them, and that's all well and good, but you still don't know the inner locker room chemistry. And you had that last year. You know, a, a lot of times people just look at the money and look at the production on the field there is a line of uh, that you a fine line that you walk. The words I'm trying to say is there's a fine line that you walk of how can that guy fit in with our culture, what we do, so it results in a good flow and team chemistry. You know, when crunch time comes, I think they had that last year. It was so cool to see Marcus Williams not being able to go in Geno Stone really just coming in and doing extremely well. It was so cool to see how Zay Flowers, a young rookie, is, you know, literally saying that, man, hey, I, I learned how to take care of my body because of Nelson Aguilar. And, man, I'm doing things as far as route running because of uh, OBJ. You know, these guys, they know how to foster an attitude of, of, of brotherhood, if you will, and, and that's important. You know, I, I've seen it so many times where it was the other way where, yeah, you, you just get guys that are like, you know, hey, I got the money. I got the contract. I don't need you. Or you think that they think they're all that and they're really not. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a unique home run to use that baseball analogy that EDC and John Harbaugh hit one obviously bringing them in, and then two, allowing the locker room to develop and, and everything working the way it did. I think it was the perfect storm. Guys developed in the way where, again, it took some time for Patrick Queen, took some time for Justin Matabike, but they got the benefit of all of those guys because of what they were able to do. And again, it didn't end in a Super Bowl, but I think they, they crafted the roster perfectly, or at least as perfect as you could. I know there were some holes here and there. But it's hard. To, not, not any NFL roster can have zero. You're not going to have 53 all pros. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. So I think Eric DeCosta did an awesome job with that. And coming up in the final part of the show here on Lock on Ravens, we're going to be talking a bit about the Ravens for Asian class and playing that game I was talking about earlier. Plus, getting cues for Asian experience and what he was looking for and how the whole process plays out. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to get to on this episode of Locked on Ravens. First, this show was brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonuses without any $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. Obviously, there's no football anymore, no NFL games, but the NBA is in full swing, and the MLB, of course, is coming right after that. So you can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. So I'm a big number Nuggets guy, Nicole Jokic. You really can't go wrong with him if you're going – Anywhere in terms of overs, if you're putting them in parlays, Nicole Jokic is a safe bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel for support partner of the NBA. 
We're back. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker and Kadri Ismail still talking with you on this Thursday. Really appreciate everybody for tuning in today. Again, if you're new to the channel, welcome in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button on YouTube and audio form if you're new there. Welcome into you as well. Be sure to hit follow along there and subscribe for five days a week of Ravens content. Now, Q, I mentioned that game, and I do want to play it. We're not going to play the whole thing as it took me about the full episode, and we are. We do not have a full episode to spare anymore. But as I, as I said, Spotrack has you know market values and, and projecting contracts and stuff along those lines. Now, the one that everybody's talking about, and we talked about him on yesterday's show, just I, I talked about it was Justin Matabike. And it seems inevitable that the Ravens are probably going to place a franchise tag on him. He he is their candidate for that. Now, there's obviously the, the chance that he could agree to an extension with the team before then. But Spotrack right now has him at 20.3 per season, average annual value there. Now, I had him around like 23 to 25, but Spotrack did something interesting. They had him on a four-year $81 million deal instead of a five-year deal. And they, they actually have comparisons and contracts. So Quinn and Williams got $96 million for four years. Jeffrey Simmons, 94. Ron Payne, 90. Dexter Lawrence, 87 and a half. Matt Abike, I think that with how good he was and the player that he is, he could probably earn in that $90 million range, which would put him right around 22 to 23 million per season. Do you think there's a chance he breaks hundred million or, or what do you, what do you think it is? Because I think what he does is so valuable and so rare. Run stopper, uh, disruptor in the passing game, the two headed monster is what you're looking for from an interior guy. You listed all those other guys, but here's the one thing the salary cap in general was not as high as it's going to be now. So that hundred million, it's not like, Oh my God, the salary, what is it supposed to be projected at 270? I think it's like two, 243 to 250, I think is the, the latest. My apologies. I'm giving, I'm giving extra, <laughs> but that, that 250 number though, like my God, man, you're if I'm the agent, I'm like, all right, bro, salary cap went up. More guaranteed money. Let's go. And the Ravens, they recognize stadium authority is clearly uh upgrading the stadium. But from a cash aspect of things, now you're able to charge from a, a, a seat aspect of things as well as a suite aspect of things. I know from you know a WJZ ass uh perspective. They're taking the press box, which is right there, right behind the Ravens bench and that 50-yard line. They're moving it way up into the upper tier um, so they can make more money. And if you make more money, then obviously from a salary cap aspect of things, it's one thing, but you now can go ahead and do those signing bonuses. And that's where you know the, the secret sauce is at when you're able to do that signing bonus uh, for guys like a Justin Matabike. And it's, it's huge because I think, again, the way you can structure these contracts, for example, Marcus Williams, I believe the first two years of that contract, his cap hit was $7 million both seasons, if I'm not mistaken, but it was low. And now he has the fourth highest hit on the team. So that's kind of how you got to play where one deal becomes expensive. You got to backload another deal and make that deal inexpensive. Then that deal will become expensive. And it's, it's just, it's a full cycle there. And so a guy... That again, we, we can talk about guys like Patrick Queen and Geno Stone and Clowney and all that, but you've talked about Odell a lot this episode, Q. So I, I, I will play the game one more time with Odell. Now, Spotrack has him at $12 million, a one year, $12 million, $11.9 million contract. I would think it would be a little less for Odell, maybe like, uh, 
anywhere from seven to 10 million on a one-year deal, or maybe you go two years and you up that and you give him the extra stability there. I just, I don't know. I don't see 12 million. Now he provides more value than just the pure box score stats. And you, you touched on that, but I think to me, Odell is a guy that might not be in that even double digit range anymore. I, I could see maybe seven to nine with 10 being maybe the cap on that. The one thing I think that we're missing is the word incentives. If he, you know, can can get incentive-laden contract. And then you're also looking at the fact that last year, this was new for Lamar, new for Todd Munkin. Odell, if they, in fact, could come with an agreement, he would be in year two of the Lamar and Todd Munkin experience, which that means it's only going to get better. And so he would have to roll the dice from the aspect of incentives and can he – you know, get some reachable, attainable incentives to help him, you know, kind of offset some of the money that he would lose uh, without all the guarantees. So I think, you know, from a bigger picture standpoint, like a multi-year deal, give him a little peace of mind, help the team as far as being cap friendly. He already did them a solid as far as uh, wiping around or wiping out some of the voidables. That was really good. Um, Yeah, I think I think he just, he brings an awful lot to the table for what the Ravens want and for what, you know, the Ravens need as far as the locker room and the locker room chemistry. Right. And, and whether that is in Baltimore or somebody else or somewhere else with another team, I think that he was, he still does have value, but we talked about it a bit last week, Q his production was not, you know, $15 million worth of production on the field. But I think he gave you a lot that was pretty close to some of that stuff in terms of leadership. And again, what counts is what happens on the field, but he helped out of the guys and he was a good veteran presence. So I think that for people who are saying, well, that contract was just a complete bust and he did nothing for him. I, I think he did a, l- a little more than nothing for, for the Ravens this season. But speaking of free agent wide receivers, Q, you yourself, had a few times being a free agent wide receiver during your NFL career once or twice right now, obviously this is a Ravens podcast. I want a Super Bowl with the Ravens, but you were not, you did not spend your entire career in Baltimore. You were obviously drafted by Minnesota. That rookie contract was up. You went to a couple of different teams after that. So just to, to give some perspective on what free agency is like from a player's perspective, obviously things have changed a little bit in terms of like the salary cap for one and how things are done. But as you were kind of going through that process, whether you were looking for your first contract, your second, your third, what was your mindset going into it? And how does the process play out? Yeah, so my first time around, uh, I was the unrestricted free agent from uh, my rookie contract in Minnesota. And that simply was, you know, everyone think, oh, my God, this is going to be great. Similar to what we're doing right now. But um, I just remember a lot of the, the, you know, People that were around me were thinking it was just going to happen right away. And yeah, they, they meaning teams, they go out for big splash contracts and there were some big splash contracts, but at the same time, there was this long game waiting. I didn't get signed. I actually went to a training camp with Green Bay. So I signed a, you know, a very team friendly one year deal with Green Bay wound up getting traded down to Miami. When I was going through the free agent process uh, with that phase, it was like I went to Kansas City and did a workout with Kansas City, went down, you know, with the Washington uh, at that time uh, Redskins, with the commanders and 
I remember North Turner and I, you know, I'm, I'm catching passes. I think uh, Heath Schuler was the quarterback, but I'm, I'm you know, catching passes and, and doing my thing. Um, I went down to New Orleans and literally did a workout for them, but wind up going to Green Bay. Next thing you know, I'm being traded to the Miami Dolphins. So from a Miami Dolphins aspect of things, I spent a year there. I was like, all right, here we go. Boom, my time comes, my time goes. Literally, as I became a free agent, cool thing about it was here comes uh, the New Orleans Saints again. Went down, visited, signed a contract, boom, done. They knew of my game from when I was a Minnesota Viking. So in Minnesota, I was torching the New Orleans Saints. And that's how it usually kind of works. You know, teams kind of like, this guy, he's really good. He's killing us. We need to get him on our team. But that's where it was cool because when you have new coaches and we see a lot of them, and that's where, again, you know, Mike McDonald comes in and Patrick Queen, I know his agent is going to be talking to the Seattle Seahawks. I promise you that. Why? Because coaches want to establish that familiarity and what their programming is all about. What does that mean? Well, there's a way I do things. So Mike wants a guy like a Patrick Queen who knows how he does things and can kind of be that liaison, if you will. And there is where, you know, all these new coaches, hey, Keith Williams, we don't know. I mean, he could have a relationship with OBJ and, you know, the Saints feel like, well, you know, we got a team that can kind of compete. He's going to be able to get the ball and maybe he might want to come back to his hometown, New Orleans. You know, it's it's little things like that. You 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 see coaches and everybody moves. So Brian Billick was my guy. He comes to the Ravens, and then next thing you know, I'm sitting there like, okay, I guess I'm gonna go up and visit, you know, Baltimore. I come up here to Baltimore, and literally, I I think I I signed a contract that weekend, I believe. So I came up and and didn't leave. I left the Ravens. And then that just kind of just started my career as a Raven. So, you know, when you look at free agency, when you look at uh, being patient, you just don't know. Their coaching changes, their their personnel, scouting changes, their injuries. There are obviously the elephant in the room is money, but even that sometimes, you know, last year. Steve Shotty was like, yeah, all right, we're going to pull the trigger. Nobody else is clearly willing to pull, pull the trigger on Odell Beckham, but Steve Shotty was. Why? Because they had a long depth of relationship talk, and it wasn't just about football. He was like, you know what? I like this investment that I'm about to make in uh, Odell. Let me do it. So it, it's the richness of the fullness of what we're seeing with free agency. Right. Free agency is crazy. There's so much that goes into it, so much that goes on, both from the team and the player. It, it's an agreement, right? It's not one team going and saying, all right, you're coming to play with us now. It's no, the player has to agree. The team has to agree. A player can't, you know, just, you know, force their way onto a team and say, hey, I'm playing for you guys now, right? It's 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 both ways. It's both sides. So it's interesting how everything goes into it and how everything works with it. And of course, as we look ahead to the Ravens for agency this year in 2024, they're going to have to balance out, you know, 
if Patrick Queen follows Mike McDonald to Seattle, like you talked about, Q, or the, the Keith Williams with a wide receiver like Odell, or maybe Anthony Weaver goes and takes a defensive lineman, or Zanard Wilson goes and takes a Ronald Darby or Arthur Millette from the secondary. So relationships are key anywhere, not just sports, but anywhere. But it's, when you look at it from a football perspective, if that's your guy, that's your guy. Billick was your guy. You follow him, and the, and the rest is history there. So going to be interesting to see how the Ravens do things this time around. But Q, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for hopping on. Tell people where they can find you and what you're working on here. I know we're in kind of the low period of the offseason. Yeah, so I'm, I'm 24-7, 365 when it comes to missile training and allowing people to maximize their efforts. What does that mean, maximizing their movement efforts? I mean, from seven years old all the way up to 84, from a family aspect of things, you can bring in your family from an athletic standpoint. If you're, you know, junior high, if you're trying to get into college, if you're already a collegiate athlete, I work with everyone. And that's the bottom line. And it gives you an opportunity to recognize what is true durability. There is training on that traditional sense of the word. And then there's durability, explosive training. That's pretty much what missile training is all about. So check out my website, missiletraining.com. And obviously you can find me on TV on WJZ. And we have our different weekly shows that I'll be on throughout the year. Links to everything Q does will be in the description down below. So be sure to check him out. Check out his website. He does great work, whether it is Ravens Talk, Ravens Content, or obviously with his missile training as well, everything. He, he was a multi-versatile, multi-talented person, just like Mr. Derrick Henry. So there you go. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're new to the channel, if you're an everyday, if you're, if you're somewhere in the middle, thanks so much for tuning in today. As always, be sure to subscribe, follow along. Coming up tomorrow, we'll round out the week with more Ravens content. Stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.